Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. What a pleasure to be with you guys today. Um, This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If you have been reading things in the Bible and you'd like some clarity, or maybe you're curious what the Bible says about current events and things going on in our world right now, or maybe you have a prayer request that's uh, just personal or not related to those things, this is the show where you can call in and have a direct line to pastors here every day, uh, mountain time, 4 to 5 p.m. every weekday here on Grace FM. And we're so glad that you've tuned in today. Again, my name's Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm broadcasting from Longmont here today. So welcome to those of you who are tuning in. I want to give you a date for this show. Today is October 16th, October 16th, 2021. So you are hearing this show live if that is the day that you are listening on. Today's Friday, and we're so glad that you're, you're tuned in. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. And we also want to welcome those who are listening on our sister stations, Hope FM, on the East Coast, on in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. I want to give you a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in, and then you'll be able to, um, you guys will have the unique opportunity where a week later, you get to tune into the program and hear yourself on the radio. And I would encourage you, don't just take that as an awesome opportunity to listen to yourself. Rather, use that as an awesome opportunity to introduce somebody else to the program where you tell them, hey, mom, dad, you know, friend, coworker, here's an opportunity uh, for you to hear me on the radio. I had this question about the Bible and the pastor answered it. So tune in. And that is your way that you can introduce people to listening to Christian radio, which is something which... God uses in people's life all the time to change their life, to transform them, to help them grow in the knowledge of him. And we would love it if you would take advantage of that. And um, whether you're listening live or on delay, we want you guys to take advantage of that opportunity of, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you feel like, hey, I'm not sure I know all the answers to my friend's questions, but by turning them onto this program here on Calvary Live, uh, this is a place where they can tune in as they're driving, as they're working, And they can listen to these and maybe it's going to answer maybe some of the things that other people call in about or ask via text. Those are things that your friends and family members have had questions about too. And God's going to use this in their lives. So we really encourage you, get the word out via social media. Get the word out um, via word of mouth that Calvary Live is here on Grace FM or on your station on Hope FM or Truth FM. And that this is a great resource for Uh, people in these areas and also of course we're online so we want to greet all of you who are tuning in on the website or on our app we have a great grace fm app we have people tuning in from i'm looking at this this is like 10 15 states and at least three countries and so um it's 
great to have you guys. Looks like we have listeners tuning in online from a lot of areas outside of our over-the-air broadcast range. We've got a couple people up in Washington State, people down in the southeast, all over Texas, um, Midwest. We've got people on the, in the Chicagoland area and it looks like on the east coast as well. We've got people in South Africa and Ukraine tuning in right now. So wherever you're tuning in from, we're so glad that you're listening. Again, this is Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. Today is October 16th just so you know that you are indeed listening live. And my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 to give us a call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer request. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. If you don't have our app yet, really encourage you to go get that. You can just download it for free for Android and Apple devices in the App Store or in Google Play Store. Just type in Grace FM as one word. It'll come right up. Put that on your device, and you can listen anywhere in the world. And you can share that with other people as well. And you can also listen on our website, gracefm.com. And you can just click the button there on the front page of that website where you can listen live right there. So just uh, gracefm.com is the place for that. And right now I see some text messages coming in, but we want to give you the numbers once again to call uh, so that you can call us with your questions about the Bible, your questions about current events, as well as uh, your prayer requests. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. So we have a few calls coming in, but before we do that, just let me introduce myself to you for those of you who might not know me. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. Now, I missed you guys last week because we were doing the Refresh Conference down at Calvary Church in Aurora, which is a great time, really uh, a really refreshing time, which is, of course, the goal. But it's a ministry conference that Calvary Church puts on every year, and this year we had some good friends from California come out, Scott Cunningham. Uh, He's a worship leader and a good friend of ours personally here at Whitefields. And so we got to see Scott and we had Zach Besnies and his daughter come out leading worship and teaching really good words. You know, it was a message um, last weekend about unity. And if you want to hear any of those messages, they were geared towards people who are in ministry, but maybe you weren't able to make it or maybe you chose not to go because of health concerns. Uh, but you would love to listen to those messages, here's how you can do that. You can download the Calvary Church app, and you can listen to the messages from the Refresh Conference in there. I did that earlier this week and uh, listened to some of those messages with my wife and my family, and i got to tell you, very encouraging stuff. And really, you know, I would say this is a, a prophetic word for the church today, is this importance in this time of crisis of unity all the more. What's so interesting is that this this thing about unity, this topic was chosen a year ago before any of this uh, pandemic took place. But you know, this pandemic has had the effect on a lot of churches of causing, um, you know, giving Satan a foothold for division. You know, we, and, and not to mention the political climate that we're in right now. There is uh, a lot of things. There are a lot of things that are being used to divide the church. But as Christians, it's so important that we doggedly um, care about and we be dedicated to the unity of the body of Christ, uh, even in the midst of perhaps differing views on politics or how to respond to 
this, that the church of Jesus Christ is more important, the mission of God is more important than our opinions about um, political matters or social matters. And so we want to we adhere to that and strive, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So my name is Nick Cady. Again, I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. And I just want to take the opportunity real quick before we go to our callers to personally invite you to join us at the church that I pastor. If you are in Longmont or within driving distance of Longmont, we would love to have you come and worship with us. We are having services in person. Of course, we're observing all the state guidelines. So we're social distancing. We're wearing masks. But we are open for service in person. We're also open for service online. So maybe you're not in our driving area, but maybe you would love to worship with us on a Sunday morning. We would love to have you. So you can worship online with us at whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com, and our services are live on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We also have an archive on our website there where you can uh, worship with past worship services. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And there on our website, you can also get directions to our in-person services, which are also, again, 9 and 11 a.m. Um, here in Longmont. And our, we have a new location as of June. And it's a, it's a larger facility. It's great. It's a place where we're going to be able to grow. We've already grown in the new space. We're really excited about what God's doing. We'd love for you to come and be a part of it. So we, there's no need to pre-register. We have enough space here. And our services are held at, here's the physical address, 2950 Colorful Avenue. So that's 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, and it's the zip code is 80504, which means we're on the east side of Longmont. That's how those uh, that zip code works. East side is 80504, and we're just east of, we're about a mile, or sorry, half a mile east of County Line Road and Highway 119, which is Ken Pratt Boulevard. So uh, we are right on Highway 119, just on the north side, directly opposite of Sandstone Ranch a skate park and the ball fields there at Sandstone Ranch. So where you would turn to go into Sandstone Ranch, you just turn north instead of south, and you will be at our church building. We'd love to have you. We have a big sign. You can see it from the highway there. And we're close to I-25, and we're also close to the city center of Longmont. So very conveniently located for people who are in the surrounding communities as well, whether that's Lyons or Berthoud, Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Decono. If you're in Erie or Lafayette or Niwot, Boulder. We would love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Directions, all that good stuff is found on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, Allison in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the program. Hi, Nick. Hi. 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 <laughs> I just have a question about generational curses. It was brought up in our study yesterday, and I was wondering what they are and if they apply today. My understanding is when we become Christians, that those things no longer apply to our lives? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right that in Jesus, these curses are broken. Here's, here's the way I would put it. There's a few things that we need to understand about curses and generational curses. This is a question that I get a lot, and, and I can understand why, um, because, you know, we want to be clear on this. So, What's good news in Jesus is that we're, we're not in a fatalistic situation, right? Which is that um, my parents did this or my grandparents were into witchcraft or who knows what. And therefore, I am condemned or cursed to just follow in their footsteps and, um, you know, or have, let's say, for to use a, a crass term, right? I'm going to have bad luck for the rest of my life because of things that um, 
that my grandparents did. Here, here's some biblical advice on this, right? Or some biblical insight into this. In Ezekiel chapter, uh, oh man, I'm not remembering right now. I'm going to have to look it up. Ezekiel, he says, um, do not let this proverb be said in Israel anymore. The, child, or the parents ate sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And um, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so that is found in Ezekiel chapter 18. Sorry, so I should have should remember that. But yeah, Ezekiel chapter 18, he says, I don't want this proverb to be spoken anymore in Israel. The parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And what he's saying is that, that, that we're being punished. In other words, he doesn't want people to say that they're being punished for the sins of their parents. Rather, he says there in Ezekiel 18, rather instead, the soul that sins shall surely die. And Jeremiah 31, by the way, quotes that same parable. And it says, in those days, now this is speaking of the days of the new covenant, which we are now in under Jesus. In those days, it will no longer be said, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And so what it's saying is that, first of all, Ezekiel saying, I want you to understand that, that this is not how it works, right? You, God doesn't punish children for the sins of their parents, Um and Jeremiah is saying, especially not in the New Covenant. Now, now you might ask, well, then what is all this stuff about, you know, Jesus say, or God saying, I will bring judgment um, to the third and fourth generation? Well, this would just be a simple fact that sins of the fathers tend to be carried down into subsequent generations, right? So alcoholism, you know, it, it, you can see this in, in people's lives that, uh, grandpa was an alcoholic, dad's an alcoholic, and now the son's an alcoholic. Um, and this is a pattern of sin that is picked up. One of the things that we talked about recently at church was that we were studying about leprosy. We were talking about Naaman in Second Kings. Naaman was leprous, and we were talking about how in Leviticus, chapters 13 and 14, uh, sin, or sorry, leprosy is used as a picture of sin, and it's actually used throughout the Bible as a picture of sin. And one of the reasons, among many, is that leprosy is highly contagious. In the same way, sin can be highly contagious. In the sense of, like, like I said, it, it can be passed down. You know, you can see this with, um, you know, unfortunately, sexual abuse. This tends to be a, a recurring thing that goes on throughout generations. Is that, you know, one generation is sexually abused, and they sexually abuse the next generation. And it seems to be that people do unfortunately, things to other people which were also done to them. But the good news is that in Jesus, these chains of sin, these recurring cycles can be broken. You know, whether that's gambling, drugs, alcohol, abuse. Uh, the good news is, is that in Jesus, these chains can be broken. And we see a good example of that in Romans chapter 6, where we're told uh, about the old man having been put to death. Right? Or, or Galatians chapter 2 that person who I was apart from Jesus, that person has been put to death, nailed to the cross with Christ, no longer lives, but the life I live now, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, that, thank you. That was really helpful. Yeah, yeah I hope so. And uh, good, good to hear your voice, and I hope that that answers the question for you and hopefully the people in your group. Yes, thank you. Okay. That, all right. Bye-bye. Thanks. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts 
live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. We have one open line, so give us a call, 303-690-3000, with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. Let's go to our next caller, Carl, in Fort Collins. Hi, Carl. Welcome to the program. Hey there. Thank you so much. You bet. What's up? Um, my question is, you know, as the fires are raging out west, as we're in the midst of this pandemic, um, and I've been going after some light theological stuff around the sovereignty of God, um, how do we know when when the things happening around us are are the Lord or the enemy? Because I've I've been hearing people say, like, oh, this is the work of the enemy, we need to pray against it. Mm-hmm. And I hear other people who are like, this is the judgment of God on America, and we need to repent. And that's two very different ways of going about things, and I'm wondering, like, how does one, how does one know uh, which one it is, or, yeah. or what it is, exactly? That's a great question, and it's a really, really tough one. And I'm not sure that we have the skills or ability apart from like a a direct word of God to answer that question. This is something that people have been talking about for a really long time. You know, like um, uh, famously, uh, Billy Graham said that if God doesn't judge San Francisco, then he owes, um, you know, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Right. But then we see things like we see these um, tidal waves that come through and hit places or we see, you know, natural disasters coming through and hitting places. And it's really not clear, is this, um, you know, a tragedy and the cause of, of, is it caused by the fall, uh, that we live in a fallen world where even nature is subject to the fall? Or is this like an intervention of God to bring a temporal judgment upon a place to drive people to repentance? Um, I would tell you this, that in no matter what, it is God's desire that people come to repentance. Like that's laid out black and white in the scriptures, right? It's it's not God's desire that anyone would be lost, but that all would come to the knowledge of him. And they would do that, of course, through repentance. So does God want us to see the fires out west and repent? Without question, the answer is yes. Um, Are these things also caused by the fact that we live in a fallen world where nature is not in harmony as it should be? I would say the answer to that is also yes. Then there's also the kind of natural explanation, which is perhaps there isn't uh, a big spiritual answer in in why this took place, right? Maybe this isn't the enemy and it's not God. It just happens to be that we live in an extremely arid climate where before people lived here, these mountains burned down every couple of years and then replanted themselves, right? This is part, actually part of how the ecosystem here works, is that in order for the pine cones to be opened up and the forest to be cleaned and replanted, uh, this is actually the natural cycle. We just moved into a place where this is the case, right? Kind of like floods, right? Um, Yeah, floods take place if you live near the Mississippi River, and they always have. So, um, and tornadoes, right? So there's there's a sense in which all of these things can can be true at the same time. Um, I would say this, that no matter what the cause of this, we should be praying for certain things, right? We should be praying that um, people's lives are spared and we should be repenting and turning to the Lord. I'm not sure that I would call these fires the work of the enemy, um, but I would say that they are definitely an example of our you know, nature being 
being um, less than harmonious, right? I don't think that we're going to be seeing such destructive things in the new heavens and the new earth. We're going to see a world that works much more harmoniously. So that to say, it, it's really hard. If you look at the Old Testament, you know, you can see things like Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, a lot of people look at Sodom and Gomorrah now with a, a, um, a an eye towards, well, what, what is this describing? Is it describing actually like a meteor shower hitting a certain place and causing this kind of destruction? Some people say, yeah. You know, they, they might look at other uh, examples, like when the earth opened up and swallowed up the sons of Korah when they were leading this rebellion. That kind of sounds a lot like a sinkhole. Okay, but... Um, what we have in the Bible is a theological interpretation of why those things happened. It isn't just, and then these people fell into a hole. No, it tells us why they fell into a hole. What we don't have in our day and age, which we, which we lack, and which in order to have it, we need a prophetic insight, is that we, we need to know, okay, what is the theological interpretation of why the tsunami hit Southeast Asia? And, and we don't always get one. Furthermore, I would say this, that not every natural disaster that took place in the ancient world or even in the time of the Bible was assigned a theological uh, interpretation, right? So there were earthquakes that took place and there wasn't uh, an earthquake, you know, there wasn't an interpretation that said um, this was God or this was the devil. Here, here's another good example. In, um, we read about this instance where a tower, the Tower of Siloam, fell in Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13. It, we read about this instance that there was apparently a tower called the Tower of Siloam that fell and it killed a bunch of people. And um, the question is, well, did God cause that to happen? Or was that a judgment? Or what was it? And, and Jesus says, I, he says, no, actually it wasn't a judgment from God. But he also says this, Unless you repent, you will also perish. So I think that perhaps, that verse is, is perhaps the best one to look to in times like this. Is this fire the judgment of God? I don't know. But I do know this. We do need to repent or else we will perish in fire. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I actually read Luke 13 this morning. So awesome. <laughs> very timely point there. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? The, I'm glad you brought up the fire because I wanted to pray for it. So before we go to our next caller, why don't we just pray uh, for the fires going on right now? And let me just throw out a few points of prayer for people listening. Uh, it's really bad in Larimer County right now. And the smoke is coming into, you know, all of northern Colorado. You know, I was down in Denver today and I had to drive back up to Longmont to northern Colorado. And kind of Longmont's where the fire, where the smoke starts, but it goes all the state line and uh it was like i was thinking this is like driving into mordor because in denver the sky is fairly blue but as you drive towards longmont and up towards fort collins it's like you're driving into this cloud of fire and smoke you know and so the other thing i want you guys to know about is that there are a lot of places that are being affected right now there's over 167,000 acres that have burned and this is now the largest fire in colorado history and the station you're listening to right now, the station actually went out yesterday for a few hours because the fire came within two miles of the transmitter. That's a pretty big deal. And in fact, I mean, we don't even know that this show could cut out in the middle of it because 
it is really in danger. So we need you guys to join us in praying for the transmitter for this station, that it keeps up and running and doesn't get burned down. Um, furthermore, there's a Bible college in Estes Park where I'm teaching in two weeks, um, but they wrote me and they said, hey, you know, the fire is within 15 miles of our Bible college. It's called Ravencrest, for those of you familiar with it. So be praying for Ravencrest and their ministry up there, and let's be praying for uh, all of those communities to the west of Fort Collins. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we pray for this Cameron Peak fire here in Colorado and all the people who are being affected by it. Lord, we pray that you would save uh, people's lives. Lord, we pray that this radio station here, that our transmitter would be spared as well. Lord, we pray for Ravencrest Bible College in Estes Park, Lord, that you'd protect their center from the fires too. And Lord, we do pray that these fires, they would cause us to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith and that we would repent Lord, that we would be a repentant people. Perhaps, Lord, this is the instance, this is the, the event that you are going to use to bring some people to repentance and faith in you. And Lord, I pray that you would do that. And I pray that you wouldn't allow the enemy to uh, twist or to hinder anything in their lives, but Lord, that you would truly uh, claim them for yourself and Lord, that people would come to you in repentance. Lord, may we be a repentant people. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, thank you so much for your call and great uh, thing. Thanks for bringing up the fire, Carl. We really appreciate that. Let's go to our next caller, Jerome in Baltimore. Hi, Jerome. Welcome. Hello. To How are you Hi doing? There. Doing great. What's up? All right. My question is, uh, I, I'm in a program and uh, with uh, it's a church ministry, and they help people with uh, all kinds of uh, issues and whatever. So, but well, my problem is with a pastor. When he preaches, he preaches for hours, but he he constantly says, "Lord God, Lord God," and very to me, very rarely say Jesus. He'll say it sometimes, but you can almost count the time that he's saying Jesus, as if he's adding it in, or okay, as I as he for, forgot to say it, or let me just add it, uh, you know, just just because just because or whatever. Now, in in that case, and this is the place I have to say, you have to participate in stuff. I don't want it because to me something's wrong with that picture, and I want you all to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my opinion on that is that um, the there's actually a really important historical study you can do of this, that in in the United States particularly, but also throughout the Western world, in the 1800s. Um, in 1700s, 1800s, and into the 1900s, there was a movement called deism. And deism was this idea that there is a God, but, you know, we're not necessarily going to say who that God is. So it's not like atheism. It's not exactly agnosticism, but it's, it's similar to, it's more similar to agnosticism than it is to Christianity. Let's put it that way. They believe in a transcendent God. Now, this is something that even if you look at how uh, the language of God is used in the United States, we pledge allegiance to, you know, to one nation under God, but we don't specify who that God is. And one of the reasons we did that was because we wanted to acknowledge that there's a God, but we also didn't want to offend people. We, didn't, we wanted to make it very palatable. You know, we wanted, uh, let's say, Jewish people and Christians to be able to say the same creed. And then Muslim people and Christians and all these people, right, who might not necessarily believe in Jesus to be able to say the same creed. This is very much ingrained in our society as, as Americans. We talk about God, 
But as soon as you talk about Jesus, now you're at a point where people start to to get upset. Basically, I think you could talk about God all day long and not upset anybody. But if you bring up the name of Jesus, that's that's something different, right? That's very specific. And I would say that as Christians, we need to do this more. We need to be very clear. Are we talking about? Are we talking about Jesus? Are we talking about the way of Jesus? I found that using the name of Jesus in church, in my talking with people, it's very specific, and it, um, you know, it 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 gets people's attention. And let's say this: it causes uh, division, perhaps, but for, but in the right ways, not in the wrong ways, right? It makes clarity. So I would really encourage that person to use the name of Jesus. Hey, we've come up on our two-minute break. Uh, great calls. Thanks for calling in. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. And uh, you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's been some things that you're curious about. We had a call, for example, last uh, before the break about generational curses. We've had some theology questions like the one we're about to get to. We've got prayer requests uh, like for the fires going on in northern Colorado. So be sending us, calling us uh, with your Bible questions, theology questions, maybe social issues that you want to talk about. Those uh, are great to have, as well as your prayer requests. So 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller. Um, looking for his name real quick. Mike in e Eaton, Colorado. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Well, I got a question here concerning the Trinity. Okay. We were so my daughter and son-in-law. They're kind of, I don't know, they're kind of getting into Judaism stuff. But they were talking about what we're having a discussion about. They don't really technically believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father are all one. So I was trying to explain it to them and saying, like, I used water for the example. You know, you can freeze it and have ice. You can boil it and have steam, but it's still all water. I go and you know we we're talking about how Jesus says. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. But then they brought up a verse where Jesus said, um, not, um, only the Father knows the time when I shall return. Sure. Like, Jesus didn't even know the time. And they're like, so how could he be God if he doesn't know the time? And I'm like, oops, I don't know. <laughs> right. So I guess how do you explain the Trinity, and how do you explain that? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a really difficult concept to explain because you're trying to explain something for which we have no example here on Earth, right? Like even even your water example, it really falls apart. To be honest, it, it would be what it would even fall under what is considered an ancient heresy. Now, I don't mean this to say that you're a heretic, okay, right? But it falls under what's something called modalism, right? Which would mean that God is at sometimes right, just as water cannot be gas liquid and solid all at the same time it's it's in one form or the other well in the same way you know god is not 
at one point Jesus, at one point the Holy Spirit, and at one point the Father. He is all three at the same time. So there's really, you know, there, and there's been many attempts to find good analogies, and all the analogies fall short because there simply is, we're trying to explain something for which we have no precedent, right? There's nothing on earth that we can point to that is going to be a fitting analogy. There's actually a really great YouTube video, and I'm going to tell you, check it out. It's worth your five minutes. Um, it's called Bad Trinity Analogies, and the author of the video is called Lutheran Satire. So check out Lutheran Satire, Bad Trinity Analogies. It's, it's a great video. It'll make you laugh, and it's very instructive. Okay, so um, here's how I would explain it to you, and I would say that... Um, the best way to explain it is through an what's called the Athanasian Creed. Now, now, why? Because well, the Athanasian Creed was people who got together and said, "Okay, let's let's lay out exactly what do we believe as Christians." The Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus and about the Father are the three one. Here's why we believe as Christians in the Trinity is because looking at what the Bible teaches, we can't come to any other conclusion than the fact that Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God, and yet they are separate. So what we would say is this. There are three persons, and the persons uh, are distinct, but there is one God. So they are the same in their essence, but they are separate in their persons. Now you might say, that sounds confusing. Well, of course it's confusing. We don't have anything uh, to compare that to here on earth. But it is absolutely what the Bible teaches. So there are times throughout the Bible where Jesus is referred to as doing things which only God can do. For example, in Mark chapter 2, um, the people come to Jesus, forgives people's sins. And then the people come to Jesus and they say, nobody can forgive sins except for God. And Jesus says, I know. And then he keeps forgiving people's sins, right? There are other times where we read about Jesus doing things, which, which of course only God can do, or things are attributed to Jesus, which are also attributed to the Father in other places in the Bible. So for example, in creation, we're told that Jesus created the world, but we're also told that God created the world. So if Jesus created the world and God created the world, then Jesus is God, right? We're told that Jesus was raised uh, Jesus was raised from the dead by the Father, but we also read that Jesus was raised from the dead by God, so the Father is God, Jesus is also God in the same way now that uh, that verse that says, "If you've seen the Father, you've seen me that's a good one. Another good one is Jesus says, uh, before Abraham was, I am seven times in the book of John, the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the phrase I am." Now, let's just be clear. That's not good grammar, is it? To say, before Abraham was, I am. What he is doing is he's invoking the name of God from Exodus chapter 3, where God told, um, and this would be very sacred stuff to the Jewish people, to invoke the name Yahweh, which, by the way, the name Yahweh comes from the Hebrew verb to be. This is why we say that God, he is he was, and he will always be. And so Jesus is taking that name, the name of God that was considered so holy that the Jewish people would not even say it out loud. And they wouldn't even write it. And Jesus is saying, 
that name and applying it to himself. And it says that after he said that, they tried to stone him to death. Why would they stone him to death? Did they Were they grammar Nazis? They didn't like bad grammar? No, 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 no. They understood exactly what he was claiming, that he was God. And so Jesus himself claimed that he was God. Now, you, your question is, well, let's be clear. Jesus said that he is God. The people killed him. The Jewish people wanted him dead, the Jewish religious leaders, because he claimed that he was God. That was the issue. In fact, they even say that to um, each other. They say, this man, who is but a man, claimed that he is God. Therefore, we need to kill him. It says that in the Gospel of John. So that's why they killed him. No other reason. Now, um, let's answer your question. How can it be that Jesus didn't know something if he's God? Doesn't God know everything? And um, that's a good question. The answer to that question is, um, let's take a look at how Jesus's incarnation worked, right? How did it work when Jesus, who is God from eternity past, became a human being? And that's laid out for us pretty clearly in Philippians chapter 2. And it's laid out just in this, this very simple sense. Let me, let me just read you the text from Philippians chapter 2. And here's what it says. Have this mind, this is starting in verse 5, by the way. Have this mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then it goes on to say, God has highly exalted him, etc., etc. So what this is saying is that Jesus, as God, chose to empty himself in the way that we use this, the language we use for this is we say, he emptied himself of his divine privileges. So he didn't empty himself of his divine essence, and again, these are words which the early Christians argued over and labored over for a very long time. How do we understand this? You know, was Jesus God? And is the Holy Spirit God? They, they spent a lot of time looking at the scriptures because they wanted to make sure they got it right. Not just say, well, the apostles thought he was God, so he must be. No, no, they said, we're going to look at the scriptures. Do they really teach that Jesus is God? And what they came to was this conclusion and this language of essence and persons. And they said, okay, so Jesus never stopped being God in his essence. And yet, during his time on earth, in his humanity, he set aside some of those divine privileges. And he became like us in every way. This is the way in which, you know, Jesus... He became like us, for example, not only to redeem us, but also to give us an example and to show us what's possible, right? So he was completely dependent on the Father during his time here on earth. So the things that Jesus did, the miracles he did, he didn't just do them because he's Jesus and he can do magic. No, 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 no. He did them in dependence on the Father and in dependence on the Holy Spirit. And that really changes the game when you consider that. For Jesus telling us then, you will do even greater things than these. And we say, well, how could I do greater things than that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, God. Well, understand, Jesus set aside all of his privileges during his time on earth and made himself wholly dependent on the Father and the Spirit, just as we are dependent on the Father and the Spirit. He resisted temptation by the power of the Spirit and by dependence on the Father, just as we resist temptation. And he showed that it is possible that by the power of the Father, 
by dependence on the Holy Spirit, we can overcome these things. So um, there's so much to say on this topic. I would just say uh, the Athanasian Creed is the best way to really um, determine what we believe as Christians on the topic of the Trinity. And I'm just going to read you kind of the preamble to it because it's very clear and it's very good. It says here's, this is the universal Christian faith that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither blending the persons nor dividing the essence. The person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is distinct and the Holy Spirit is distinct. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. Their glory is equal and their majesty is co-eternal. The Father is uncreated. The Son is uncreated. The Holy Spirit is uncreated. Uh, what qualities the Father has, the Son also has and the Holy Spirit has. And it goes on. And personally, I think it's a very beautiful like thing to read and understand. This is something that early Christians labored over, looking at the Bible. What does it teach? And this is their summary in one document of what it teaches about the Trinity. And it's really the foundation of, of what we believe as Christians about the Trinity. Wow. Well, very, very cool. I appreciate that very, very much. Yeah, I really hope it helps. And why don't I, why don't I pray for you and your family members as you guys have this conversation? Oh, yeah. All right, Lord, I pray for Mike and his family members. Lord, give them a lot of clarity. I pray that um, you would help them by your spirit to walk in truth, your truth. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you a lot, Pastor. I appreciate it. God bless you, Mike. Thanks for calling in. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got all open lines right now, uh, which means that you can call in and we can get you on the show right now. We've got 15 minutes left in the show, so now would be a great time for you to call in and get on. We're going to go over to our text messages here in just a second. So some of you have texted in questions, but we love hearing your voices on the air. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Before we go to those text messages, let me just take the opportunity to personally invite you, if you're listening, to the church that I pastor, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are currently open for in-person services, of course, with uh, you know, following all the state guidelines for distancing and masks and all that good stuff. But we are open, and there's no need to register. You can just join us on a Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. if you are within driving distance of our church. The physical address for our church is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado, 80504. We're just a half mile east of County Line Road on Highway 119 or Ken Pratt Boulevard, directly north of Sandstone Ranch. But we're right on Highway 119. You can see our sign as you drive down the highway. And we'd love to have you join us. And if you didn't get that address or you need directions or whatever it might be, or you want to watch our services online, you can do that on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Okay, let's go over to our text questions. We have one question that says this, are you sealed with the Holy Spirit when you are born again? The simple answer to that question is yes, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit when you are born again. And let me give you some verses for that. Uh, there are four key verses that talk about that. One of them is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Another one is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. So let's start with those two and we'll look at a few others. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says this. In him, when you, sorry, let's start again. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells you. And the purpose for that is to seal you. It's kind of like putting a down payment. Like if you buy something, right, and it's not yet ready for delivery, then you put a down payment that says, hey, this is mine. You know, you're, you're going to get it. And when it comes, then it will be fully paid for and I'll take possession of it. So that's what this is. It's God putting his mark on you and saying, you're mine. I'm not going to let you get away. I have sealed you and you belong to me. And that, that full redemption is coming. So here's another one. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22. God who has put his seal on us and given his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And then 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5 says, He has prepared us for this thing. It is God who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. So that idea of, in, of, sorry, of sealing, that's related to the idea of indwelling. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which happens in the moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that you have the Holy Spirit in you if you believe. And he says, in fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, you do not belong to Jesus. And so it's not this idea that I have the Holy Spirit in me right now. And tomorrow maybe I won't. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is in you, sealing you, indwelling you, sanctifying you, right? Making you more like Jesus, transforming you from the inside out, leading you, guiding you. Jesus said in John 16 that the work of the Spirit is to remind you of the words of Jesus and to lead you into all truth. The way to get the Holy Spirit in you is by putting your faith in Jesus. Now, there are times when we read about um, God giving an anointing, right, or an empowering. Now, that's separate from the idea of indwelling. So those are important distinctions. And I wrote an article about this just this last week. It's actually a front page article on my website. If you're interested, the article is called, Is the Baptism in the Holy Spirit the Same as Being Filled with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes and no. Here's why. So if you're interested in reading that article, or for more information on this topic, check out nickkady.org. That's nickkady, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. So nickkady.org is my website. You can check that out. You can also subscribe. I post about two times a week with articles related, very similar to the kind of questions that we answer here on Calvary Live. So I'm sure there are many of you out there who would greatly benefit from that. And there's also a feature on there where you can ask a question or suggest a topic. And if it's, and I'd say almost every time when I get one of those, I write an article in response. I'm always looking for new material and things to write about. And I want to be answering the questions you have. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, go ahead and fill out that form to um, ask a question and suggest a topic. And I would, uh, my desire is that this creates a resource and it, and it absolutely has over the last couple of years, you know, as topics come up and oftentimes they're, they're spurred on by topics that you guys ask here on the radio show. 
but I'll go and I'll write a, an article, you know, maybe 500 to 1,000 words, you know, something digestible that, that's not too long. And then I'll post that on my blog. And then the next time somebody asks me about that question, I will say, you know what, I've written an article on it. Let me send that to you or, you know, send this out to your friends and they can read it. And it's just been a great resource. God's really blessed it. And I've seen, you know, I track the stats on it. And I've just seen it's been growing just exponentially over the last couple of years. So if you'd like to be part of that community and the family of people who are part of uh, this website, uh, it's called Longmont Pastor. And the website, again, nickkady.org, N-I-C-K. C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. Go on there, check out that article, and subscribe if you find it useful. Okay, we have about 10 minutes left in this show. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. We're here to pray for you and to talk with you through the things going on in your life from a biblical perspective. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And the text number is 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Someone texted in, asked me, "Could you tell us your favorite Bible question-related resources on the web?" Yes, um, my my one of my favorite resources is a Colorado-based ministry um, that is just a fabulous resource, and it's called GotQuestions.org. So gotquestions.org is a great place to turn with your Bible questions. The only caution I would give you about biblequestions.org is that if you start reading biblequestions.org, you might not need to call into the show anymore, which would make me sad. So uh, you guys go read biblequestions.org, but don't stop calling into the show because I like hearing your voices and I love answering your questions and praying for you, okay? That is a great resource, though, gotquestions.org. I also really like the ESV Study Bible. Um, there are a few other great resources. Here's another one, Always Be Ready. So if you buy the ESV Study Bible, you get access to the online resources. They're very good. So that's esv.org. Another one I really like is alwaysbeready.com. It's run by a good friend of mine, Charlie Campbell, and he has great articles. And one of the best things about his website is he doesn't only give you his answers to these things, but he gives you like, 10 links where you can go and find the information for yourself on articles that other people have written. That's hugely helpful. So uh, here are my top three resources. GotQuestions.org, uh, ESV.org, and AlwaysBeReady.com. So good question, and thanks for doing that. Let's go ahead and go to our next text message. We have a question here that says, If God is 100% sinless, how did sin come into the world? I understand Adam and Eve sinned, but where did that sin come from? Good question. Um, clearly, sin existed prior to it coming into the world. And here's how we know that. Because some, at some point, before sin came into the world, it existed. And we know that it existed for a couple reasons. One is that there was a tempter who came into the world, right, in the form of a serpent, and this, we're told later on, Jesus actually tells us that the serpent was Satan. Okay, so um, Satan had already fallen prior to Adam and Eve sinning. That's important. What happened essentially with Adam and Eve's sin is that this, you could think of it as like a foreign, the, the entrance of a foreign body or a foreign entity into God's good creation. Something that already existed 
but it hadn't yet come in and corrupted God's good creation. And that thing, of course, is sin, which is, let's, let's use other terms for it as well, rebellion, imperfection, right? Falling short. Um, these are all good terms that describe the same thing. Sin is all of those things. It is rebellion. It is falling short. It is imperfection. Now, we know that this existed from the time, at least, when Lucifer led a rebellion against God in heaven. And this is outlined in two places in the Old Testament. One is in the book of Isaiah. The other one is in the book of Ezekiel, where this story is told about Lucifer. Now, the, the name Lucifer literally means light, right? Think about the in Latin, too. That's the, that's the root word there, light. And the idea is that Lucifer, what it tells us is that he was a high-ranking angel. Uh, some would describe him as kind of the worship leader of heaven, right? So he had a very high-ranking position. Um, as we know, there is a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy of angels. So Luther was a high-ranking angel who uh, was not satisfied or content with being an angel, and he led a rebellion against God. And many of the angels went with him, and they fell with him. So these became demons. Now it's those uh, fallen angels and demons, these spiritual beings, who then went and tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God. That's how sin entered the world. So God is not the author of sin or the source of sin. Rather, it would be this rebellion against God, which was the authorship and source of sin. Hope that helps. Let's go to our final caller, Jamie in Fountain, Colorado. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the program. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, my question is this. Uh, my pastor is allowing pagan traditions in the church. Um, Christmas, he's allowing them, us to tell our kids to a certain age there's a Santa Claus. He's allowing the kids for Halloween to dress up, go in the parking lot of the church, and um, and celebrate Halloween, but in a different way. Um, no matter how um, I was raised, um, well, I wasn't raised, but I... I, I I, I, I met Christ, and I, I, I came into understanding through the Holy Spirit that, he, that following Christ is a way of life and not a religion. All the religions in the world are man-made. Um, but anyways, uh, pagan traditions, it's a, they're holy days, not holy days. Christ had holy days, and man has holy days. Um, so I, what, my question is this, is it okay and I know it's not, but I'm just wanted, I just want to see what, what your spiel is on it, to lie to the kids and uh, tell them that um, there is a Santa Claus to a certain age. There's a tooth fairy to a certain age. Um, and then the, the Halloween, the kids are going to go to the church on the parking lot and eat candy and get candy and dress up all their little costumes, which, they, which is not Christ-like, mm. um, and then go to school, and, and their friends are going to, they're all going to, I was dressed as a witch. Uh, I gotta, I gotta cut you off because we've only got two minutes left. So let me have enough time to answer your question. Here, here's where it comes down to: the Bible's actually really clear on this topic that you're asking about. Now, now, for example, the the wording thing you said about holy days versus holidays, that is a question of what we call etymology. That is not a a theological position, right? So that is that is the way the English language developed. That actually isn't like something that we can really hang our hats on. But let's put it this way. The Bible would talk about this in terms in regard to um, meat sacrificed to idols. 
Now, there were some people in the early church who said, you know, the best meat out there in the markets was meat that had been sacrificed to idols. It was cheaper and it was better. And so a lot of Christians said, of course, I'm going to buy meat that's cheaper and better. And I don't care that it's been sacrificed to an idol because I'm not pagan and I worship the Lord. And other people looked at that and said, no, 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 you are supporting a system that supports, you know, uh, financially supports uh, pagan temples and you should have nothing to do with it. And so this is a big problem in the early church and paul said this is a matter of conscience this is a matter of conscience what you do with this uh, listen it is possible to dress up as superman or spider-man and not worship the devil it is also possible to celebrate the birth of jesus christ on december 25th without participating in or being infiltrated by any pagan influence okay so there are things like this where we we have to differentiate but listen, if it is a conscience issue for you where you say, I believe that I would be sinning by, you know, celebrating Halloween or, or Christmas on December 25th, etc., then Paul says very clearly in Romans chapter 14, you should absolutely not do it. You should go with your conscience and you should do that unto the Lord. It is honoring to God. It is not honoring to God for you to, to go against your conscience. But let each person be fully convinced in his own mind is what Paul says. So I hope that answers your question. I would encourage you uh, to have that discussion with your pastor, but it's very clearly laid out in Romans chapters 13, 14, and 15. God bless you. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. Check out our church, whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. And I hope that you have a great evening and a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We're here every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. We'll be with you again next week. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.